Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden and welcome to Queer Stories, the podcast for the LGBTQI plus storytelling night I host and program. Queer Stories events happen regularly in Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne, and I'm also now hosting them in regional towns. If you enjoy these stories, please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and consider buying a copy of the Queer Stories book, a collection of 26 of the stories edited by me and published by Hachette. I'm really proud of this collection and I hope you enjoy it too. This week, Gary Paramanathan works at the intersection of arts, culture and community. Born in Sri Lanka and raised in Australia, Gary has written and directed a number of short films, including for ABC iview. He has written feature essays and recounted personal narratives, but this was his first attempt at telling a story to a live audience. Gary Paramanathan. I want to take you back in time. It was 2002, I was a teenager. I won't tell you exactly how old I was because I'm a basic gay man trying to protect his age. (laughs) (coughs) I was a teenager living in the western suburbs of Sydney. Kelly Clarkson had just been crowned the winner of the first ever American Idol. (laughs) Anyone remembers that? And R. Kelly had just been convicted of sex with minors. And if I recall correctly, peeing on some young woman. This was a pleasure I was yet to understand or experience, not, not sex with minors, just being peed on by grown men. It's all right. I was blasting Hot In Here by Nelly on my stereo. Does anyone remember that? And I was dancing to Work It on the Telly by Missy Elliott. And that's an amazing music video. And yes, I was making mistakes on my Sony Disman. I was young, just as cute, but probably not as loved. You see, we now live in these amazing times. Well, no, kind of fucked up times still. But remember, we had John Howard back then. That's how you lose a teenage erection. You think of good old Johnny. So we had John Howard back then. And back then, we had no identity politics. I mean, sure, people like me existed, people of color, queer, but we didn't have a voice that we are granted now. Pox, pronouns, and well, I don't have a third P. Um, (laughs) Though it could be presidents being peed on by Russian sex workers. (laughs) Right, That's, that's the thing now. Back to my story. I was a piece of shit in color, and in attraction. In fact, I was described as just that by not one, but two people during that year. They said I looked like a piece of shit because I was brown, and because I ate curry, I was clearly seeping curry through my pores, and so I must smell like it too. I was on ICQ and MSN Messenger. Now, who here knows what that is? Hands up, right? The good old days. I am getting old. Who's here has used it? Hands up. There you go. And now, who here has used the gay chat groups on those programs? Anyone? Filthy animals. All of you. I was one of you. I was on those chat groups, searching, yearning for a connection 
far away, locked up in my suburban home in the rooms of Parramatta. Yes, I said rim. <laughs> One of my first and most memorable experiences of ICQ was chatting to this guy who had sent me a highly pixelated photo when that was a thing. I was too awkward and closeted to share one. I refused to send one back. He was nice enough to continue. The words NPNC hadn't been coined yet, as in no peak, no chat. The grinder users here know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> I'd like to think I am funny now, but I certainly believed I was funny back then. <laughs> you need some skills. I kept up most of the banter on ICQ and Emerson Messenger with my humor, and I managed to charm this guy like most of the people I spoke to. He asked me, so where's your family from, Sydney or somewhere else? Um, I usually hide my ethnicity because I was literally the only Sri Lankan who was gay in Sydney at that time. <laughs> I was one in three point something a million. Speaking of which, is there any Sri Lankans who are gay? Oh my god, there you go. <laughs> Things are changing, clearly. <laughs> Um, but this time, I thought I should be honest. So I said, I'm Sri Lankan, but I grew up here. To that, he said, well, he said nothing. At all. Silence. I said, hey, are you there? Still nothing. So I asked again, all good on your end? Nothing whatsoever. He had disappeared. Before the word ghosting was coined, I was being haunted every night. I know. I'm doing well now. I have a great boyfriend. <laughs> He's over there. Remember, I wasn't just a horny teenager. I was looking for love because I'm brown and sometimes we get caught up in these like, dramatic love kind of things. I was looking for a connection and this idea of that the color of my skin, my ethnicity could rule me out of love, that was a really shitty thing to take as a young teenager. Now, I'm not here to play the victim, to racialize my experience, to compartmentalize my place in the queer community, to shatter your white fragility. <laughs> no, I don't want to upset any white people tonight. <laughs> I'm here to share another story, much more complex and something that haunts me to date. One day, I chatted to this guy I actually can't remember his name, or if it was on ICQ or MSN Messenger, um, or even this one thing called Gator, which some of you might remember. <laughs> um, let's call him Brendan. That's a pretty gay name, right? <laughs> <laughs> Brendan and I had chatted online a couple of times, and he was super intelligent. He responded to my humor, validation, um, and by all accounts, very cute. I really liked him, and I even felt comfortable enough to give him my phone number. We began to text, and then we would even talk on the phone once in a while. I was young, low on credit. <laughs> yes, you remember that, when you could just text and no, nothing else. Um, he, was, he was a few years older than me, and he had ample credit, or so he said. <laughs> Brendan had a beautiful voice too. He was, I'm embarrassed to say, masculine. <laughs> yes, I was a very basic bitch back then. And I went to an all-boys school, I have an excuse. 
and the little girl in me had been knocked for a six in all the sporting banter I had to participate to just to get through high school. <laughs> Brendan was masculine, he had a nice voice, and he sounded kind of like my usual host of oppressors. <laughs> White, very Aussie, and kind of hot. <laughs> so I decided to finally meet Brendan. We met outside a train station near where he lived. From memory, I can't quite remember, but I think it's Canterbury or Barilla, one of those suburbs. When I saw him from afar, I was relieved. He was cute. And all of you who've gone on dates from the internet, you know how that feels like, <laughs> right? There should be some law that prevents you from sending like bad photos. <laughs> or two good photos. Um, he looked cute, though I felt something wasn't quite right about him. Brendan looked like as if he'd been sunburnt and rushed out of the house with way too much moisturizer on his skin. He didn't really want to hang out in public either. He looked very uncomfortable. He invited me over to his place, and I guess I should have known this was going to happen because I did, after all, turn up to the train station that he lives at, right? We, we walked and made small talk. I was excited to finally meet him, and I liked the way he walked. He pretty much looked as he described, but I don't know, something was a little bit odd. We walked to his place. It was a small one-bedroom apartment, sparsely furnished, not very fancy. Maybe he didn't have that much credit after all. He offered me Coke or water. I took the Coke. No, not the Coke that you're all thinking about. <laughs> Just good old Coca-Cola. I sat down on his couch, and he came back with the drinks and, we sat, and, and sat down. Now sitting there in front of him, I noticed his skin was peeling really badly all over. I was very nervous, and I took a sip of the Coke. He leaned over to kiss me, and I kissed him. He tasted good. I was aroused. My teenage dick was ready and willing to go. Think of a Tesla rocket ready to launch. <laughs> I wanted to touch him, so I brushed his arm, and I felt some skin come off. <laughs> I looked at him and I asked, what's wrong, is your skin peeling? Brendan told me he had a skin condition, which rendered his skin super dry and in a constant state of repair. It would peel off all the time, and he had no choice but to wear lots of oily moisturizers to keep it under control. Um, he said he'd learned through practice that it worked better if, uh, to get into a bathtub to have sex, because it, um, he could oil himself up, and if his skin sheds, he can just wash it off. So, we both stripped naked. He was very fit. He had a huge dick, which was already aroused, validation. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. I was doing well in my life. Um, yes, he got in the tub and invited me in. We sat down. He rubbed Vaseline on himself and rubbed himself onto me. I was both petrified and horny, and some of you know how that feels. <laughs> I liked the sliding movements, the feeling of oil between our skin. I liked the way he touched my dick. I liked how big his was, how it felt sliding in and out between my thighs my hands. I liked that he was circumcised, which was a novelty for me at the time. I came, hard, and he did too. He patted himself down and put a towel around him. We kissed, and I washed myself in the tub. And as he disappeared, I put my clothes on. When I walked out to the lounge, he was standing there looking at me. It was kind of an awkward look, a yearning for affection, yet a sudden feeling of distance post-come awkwardness. 
I said, I better go. I walked out to the front door, I kissed him and I left. He smiled and said bye. He messaged me within a few minutes of me leaving. He said, it was so nice to finally meet you. We should see each other again. I looked at the message and put my phone away. I was on the train. He sent me another message a few minutes later. I hope you got on the train all right. I saw that too. I was looking out the window, wondering what to say. I got off at Granville and waited for my connecting train. It had maybe been half an hour when trains were far and free in between back then. I finally wrote back to him. I said, hey, nice seeing you, but I think you live a bit too far from me to visit. He wrote back soon after, I can come meet you closer to yours if it's easier. I said, oh, it's okay. I'm a bit busy in the next few days. He wrote back saying, I'm sorry about my skin. He messaged me a couple of times after that, and like that MacBook Pro update where it says, would you like to install now? I kept putting it off, remind me tomorrow. I eventually just stopped messaging. I moved on to other hookups, but every so often I think, was I a piece of shit after all? I was no different to the men who rejected me online all evening for the color of my skin. I had just rejected someone for the nature of their skin. This haunts me because I am used to fighting the pervasive discrimination that us people of color face. But I myself had become the perpetrator, this judgy, I've got standards, fuck off, kind of gross, cis, white, gay man. I didn't feel very good at all. I felt like a piece of shit. Quoting a song that came out on the same year, I asked myself, why do you have to go and make things so complicated? Life's like this. You fall, <laughs> and you crawl, and you break, and you take what you get. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review the Queer Stories podcast to boost my ego and help spread the word. For tickets and dates, follow Queer Stories on Facebook. And for late night rants and photos of my dog, Frank, follow me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter. For discount tickets to my shows, as well as other perks, become a supporter of my work on Patreon for as little as $4 a month. Details on mavemarsden.com.